coming up next is an amazing episode of the podcast with Tina Sumatan, the president of H&I Risk Services, our first industry executive on the diversity, equity, and inclusion series of the Enlightened Agent. Conversation with Tina was incredible. Um, the, the level of detail she gets into and the passion she has for supporting females, people of color, and general diversity in the industry is evident. You can feel it in the podcast. So I hope everybody enjoys the show and is able to take away some of the same lessons that I do. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Tina Samotan, the president at H&I Risk Services. H&I works with high-performing companies to help them address the hidden risks in their business and to avoid the insurance dependency trap. Uh, this is done by proactively de-risking their business so they can help be less dependent on insurance. They also offer basic services of insurance and employee benefits, and they have offices in Milwaukee, Chicago, and Minneapolis. So, Tina, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to have you. I know I've shared a little bit about H&I, but I'd love it if you could share a little bit with the audience about yourself to let them get to know you a bit. Absolutely. So, I came back to H&I with services about six months ago in the role of president. I was with the organization about 11 years beforehand. So it's really nice. We jokingly say that I came home. I have always loved uh, H&I, but I had this little burning desire inside of me to go and try my hand in the private equity world for a while. And so for 11 years, I switched industries and went into energy efficiency and helped grow a company uh, called Franklin Energy. So it was a fun run, but I'm really glad to to be back home at H&I. It's an outstanding organization. Amazing. Welcome back. Welcome home. I've been to Burning Man nine times, and that's what they always say when you come back. They say, welcome home. It's a place. Um, <laughs> you, 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 know, you haven't been in a long time, but feels feels very familiar, feels very comfortable. I'm glad that I'm glad that you feel that way, and, and I'm sure that your, your team feels that way as well. So today is, as I mentioned, a very special show. It's our first episode with an industry executive focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's part of a series of episodes which will feature a diverse group of incredible insurance industry leaders to talk about DEI and the insurance industry. So, as a uh, white male executive who feels the weight of privilege, you know now more than ever, this is a super important show for me and series for me because you know last year after you know George Floyd was killed, everybody, including me, took a step back uh, to kind of say, "Hey, what are we doing here, and uh, how do we make this better? How do we help?" How do we help avoid this in the future? Um, I used to feel like unless you were doing a lot and making a big impact, there was no point in doing anything. And I somehow never managed to find the time outside of my day job and my family to do enough to make a big difference. But I think last year, I realized that there are a lot of little things you can do to raise awareness, talk about diversity, and to begin to kind of elevate the conversation just as a, as a simple step in improving Proving, you know, the general collective mind share around how do we make this better? Absolutely. And so, yeah, because we approached the anniversary of his death, it struck me that that effort had kind of faded, at least here with us internally a little bit, and that we needed mm-hmm. to do more. That was the idea behind uh, doing the series. And, you know, naturally, I thought about reaching out to some of our, our clients, some of our prospects, some of our partners in the industry. I'm excited that you're able to join me on the show. So with all of that, I think as a female executive and a white male dominated industry, 
you know, my first question for you is, what is that like? Tell tell us from the perspective of, of the president of H&I, what's it like to be a female executive? In yeah, I think, you know, I can answer this from a couple of different perspectives. I'm also a military veteran. And I think when you, you know, look about this, even from the civilian to the military uh, sectors, it has always been a challenge that I've welcomed. And I know that's not the case, you know, for a lot of females, it's sort of been a little bit of an axe to grind, so to speak. Yeah. But I've always looked at it as how can I sort of prove myself just from the talents and the efforts that I bring, right? So making sure to try to lift that up wherever you can. But with that said, I have been met with a lot of different diverse situations in leadership within the military being the first female in the last organization that I was in from being on the executive team to, you know, coming into the industry here and being the president. So from those standpoints, I kind of look at it as this opportunity that I have to pave the way for others, to make sure that I am creating opportunities where I can bring other females along or mentor other females, or just continue to bring the awareness wherever I can about the differences that still exist. So I think you made the the point earlier of, you know, we need to talk about this and and you're bringing it back up a year later from the George Floyd situation. But I think that's the biggest thing I can do. When you get to a position of leadership, it is our job to make sure that we're continuing to talk about these situations and bring awareness to them, whether it's through inclusion or equity, pay, fairness, you know, diversity, We have to make sure that it's got a bullet point on the agenda anytime that we can. Yeah, I think that's part of the elevating the conversation, right? Like you you have to kind of, unfortunately, you know, you have to force it in, right? Because it's not, it's not natural yet, right? We want to get to a point where it's just, it just is natural. I think that's always one of the awkward points, right? Because on the one hand, easy to think, oh, well, you know, we're, we're not racially biased or gender biased, but you know, a lot of times it's unconscious, right? And Absolutely. so, yeah. and, and therefore, if you're not proactive about it, then you're unconsciously being biased about it and, and not facilitating the conversation. Are there any examples you can share where you felt like there's been bias against, against you or against women in the workplace that, you know, we're not intentional, but maybe we're real, right? Whether it's a male-dominated workplace or the military, right? I mean, military feels like a very male-dominated workplace, right? Mm-hmm. So can you think of any examples of, for somebody who's not a female, right? Like these are things that I don't think about a lot, but does anything come to mind that kind of help me think about what, put, help put me in your position somewhere where you felt awkward one time or you felt uncomfortable because the more I think me and people like me can share about that, the more it'll come to life for us, so. Absolutely, yeah, I think there's several. I mean, I think you can you can look at various things that I've always had HR in my background. And so you could look at the pay scales, for instance, and until you actually lay those down on paper and compare them, I don't think people do think about it. And I, I truly believe that most people, to your point, are not intentional about it. But what they're also is they're not intentional about being aware <laughs> And therein lies the difference. And if we would just spend a few minutes being intentional about being aware, we could probably break down a lot of those things. I think another thing that we saw a lot of times too, whether in the military or in my civilian too, is just by the sheer maybe events that you do, the opportunities where you have a chance to get together and network, 
or just by sheer comfort of who you're used to talking to, you can be very exclusive to groups. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, let's go grab a beer after or let's go, you know, nine holes. Just by some of those things, it caters more to a more male dominant approach to things a lot of the time. So I think there's those instances that happen that are by no means intentional, but it's just based on the comfort the golf thing makes I get it, but like even just just thinking about hey, let's go grab a beer, right? It's a that's a you know, my wife doesn't drink beer, for example, right? So <laughs> exactly, nor like, do I really. So <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's my point. Is like some of these norms are so ingrained in us that's like an unconscious comment of like, you know, clearly it's a male after work thing versus a female after work thing or versus an inclusive after work thing, right? And that's just it's a perfect example of how you know, very innocent and, you know, familiar activities can be exclusive, you know, unconsciously. So I'm like taking notes as we go, right? And part of this is, I think it's going to be good, good for me and hopefully for our listeners to say like, yeah, let me go print out my payroll and put a male, female next to everything and just, just see what comes up. I mean, you know, ignoring levels, right? But like, yes, if you start to level it, it'll become more interesting, but like, what an important exercise to do and just not that hard to do, right? Have, go, you know, go print out your payroll or have somebody in HR do it and just take a look at it. And, and I think that's a fascinating to do. And I'm, you know, I'm going to do it after the call. Well, and one of the just... other things, Jason, that I've, I've asked um, organizations to do from time to time, because I've hosted cafe talks on diversity and inclusion, and I've talked with a lot of different organizations about it. And one of the things that I said is when you have meetings, you know, just take that brief second to look around in the room as well. And do you have diverse people at the table or do you have an equal male-female ratio? Just taking that extra time to look at those things so that you are getting that input. Those are steps too that can very easily be taken. But again, I think we just are so busy and we get in our day-to-day and we fly from one thing to the next thing and we just don't even think about those things. Yeah, the data piece is important. Something that I was chatting with recently about this is like, yeah, just capture the data, write it down, put it on a piece of paper, you know, whether it's gender diversity or age diversity or racial diversity. And just, it's not a judgment. It's just like, look at it, right? See how it affects you, right? See if it feels right or wrong for any reason and use that to inform, you know, whether it's hiring decisions or cultural decisions in the company. You know, I'm already thinking we have an offsite coming up, and I'm already thinking like, uh oh, you know, <laughs> want to make sure I've got you know re- respectful events for everybody and activities that are supportive of you know different races and and genders and cultures. And I think we're, I'm like, okay, I think we're okay. <laughs> like for a moment there, I was like, I need, I need to just just check in on that, make sure I feel good about it. So those are great examples. Yeah, that's super helpful. I'm curious. This is one that I think. If you're, again, if, if you are a white male executive in the space, it's not always, because you've been in a position of privilege, it's not always clear why it's important to be proactive about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think it's important for people to feel comfortable, right? Why is there a need to be proactive about it? Companies have done really well for a long time without it, right? And, but where have you found that it's important um, to focus on DEI and why? Yeah, I think so. I haven't had as much runway here, although I've talked with my executive team about things that I'd love to get started stage nine. But just to give you a couple of examples of things that I did in my previous organization, was I think you can't really say that you're an organization that 
cares deeply about diversity and inclusion unless you are doing something about it. You know, right. you can say it in taglines or you have to actually put your money where your mouth is. And one of the first things that we decided to do was invest in a position that was a director of diversity and inclusion. An individual that, you know, was of a minority race that could relate to that, that could help us understand, right? And make sure that we had someone who was solely focused on doing various things to make sure that we were going to make change happen from it. Why did you feel that was, why did you feel, I mean, this gets a little bit of the social entrepreneurship question or the social enterprise question, right? Like, did you do it because you felt like it was a, it was good for the world or did you feel because you felt like it was good for the business or both? I felt like it was good for the business and the world. I mean, I guess both when you think about it. The core of why I thought it was important was that when you say you care about it as a leadership team or as a CEO of a company or an executive of a company, then you have your day job and decisions are driven by the bottom line or you need various things to happen. It is very easy to put those other things out of your mind and to have someone there who's going to fight for that because it's 100% of what their job is about, making sure that you're creating more jobs for diverse and minority candidates, making sure that you're getting equity put throughout your organization, making sure that you're going out into communities and, you know, talking about it, educating, you know, all of those sorts of things. You can't really say that, you know, you're a company that cares about it until you have that. And then, oh, by the way, when you do have that, though, Jason, your bottom line does improve. It truly does. And so I'd be a fool to sit here and say that it wasn't business impactful, too, because it is. It truly is. You make better decisions when you have a more diverse and inclusive approach to running a business, period, end of sentence. Yeah, when I take a step back, right? Kind of go to the 50,000 foot level. And I think, right, we are building a platform to transform the way commercial insurance agents do business. And the reality is insurance agents work with all people of different races and genders. And if we're not making product decisions that support both the people who the agencies in the industry and the customers that they serve in a way that is um, kind of a holistic view and, and represents inputs and perspectives from a diverse audience, then, then we're doing our business service, right? And so, and if we don't have a diverse employee group, then, you know, there's no way we're going to have the perspective that we need to make the right business decisions to support our customers in the way that they sell insurance. So I think we're doing a pretty good job on the gender diversity or we're, we need to do a little bit better on the racial diversity. Um, Somebody I was talking to recently made a really good point, which is that DEI is, you know, it's first about diversity, which is diversity is important, but then you can't have diversity without inclusion, right? So it's one thing to have a diverse group, it's another a diverse team, it's another to make those people feel included. Um, I think that goes back a little bit to what you were saying about the events and the language. Um, what are some things you guys are doing or thinking about doing at HNI to try to increase the amount? that people feel included in the business. One of the the concepts that I want to bring forward here is, and I've done it before, it was amazing, but just to have these opportunities where you have sort of a round table and you invite very diverse groups throughout the organization 
to just talk about when the George Floyd situation happened back to that, we hosted several roundtables to just allow people to talk. Yep. And those roundtables turn into more roundtables and more roundtables, right? Because there's always something that can be triggering. And just yep. having that environment within your organization and actively listening to the diverse individuals within your organization about how they feel about certain things. Because again, I'm not a black male. I am not going to know how it feels when something gets said or how it could be triggering. And if you're not opening up the lines of communication to those individuals to hear what they have to say, you're never going to know. You're never going to quite get there. So it starts with those little steps. But that was one successful thing that I've talked about doing here, too, is just having these sort of open forums or roundtables where people can come and talk about it. How do we get better at inclusivity? What does that really mean? It doesn't just mean being invited to the meeting. It actually means creating an environment within that meeting where you feel like you can open your mouth and talk too. And that's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super important. My aspiration is that we, I think think there's going to be a period of time where it's necessary to be very explicit about the need for these things. My hope is that we get to a point where it's not needed, right? And it's not a topic and that it's just, you know, we're sitting around the room with a diverse group and people feel comfortable sharing their opinions and then it's just part of the business, right? And I realized that that it's easier said than done. And uh, especially it's a transition, especially as in an industry that is, you know, hasn't been historically very diverse, right? So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. We're, we're going on a, we just raised some capital. We're about to go into it pretty aggressive hiring phase and um, this is a hot topic for us is you know, how do we make sure that we're being you know at a minimum considering people of different races and genders for, for all the roles and you know, how we go about making those choices yeah i don't know that we've landed on it candidly right just to be perfectly transparent like right how did, what happens when you get to a point when you've got you know slightly you know the male candidate is slightly more skilled than a female candidate but you want more diversity right like how do you make that choice and same thing with a you know, a racially diverse candidate. So yeah, look, if, if anybody listening has suggestions on how to tackle this, this is this is tough stuff that I'm seriously interested in because, you know, when you're growing a big business, you want to get the foundation right. And so, yeah, I think for me, a lot of the reasons for doing this show is frankly an opportunity to learn and, and vocalize some of the things that we're going to struggle with and hear from, you know, leaders in the space who have either dealt with it or have have ways of dealing with it. So, well, yeah, and, and Jason, I think this is the first thing is of talking about it in education. But, but you're right. Like when you go down that path of hiring individuals or the recruitment process, all of that. I mean, you actually one of the one of the greatest things we did is scrubbing our ads and our mm-hmm. job descriptions because even in how you word certain things for certain positions, it can be yep. a detriment to a certain class or race of people and you know it's sort of this thread that when you pull it you start to realize all the things that are impacted through it and starting at that recruitment and hiring phase and going all the way through the life cycle of your organization there's a lot yep. to be learned about how to do things differently to be more inclusive yeah i mean it starts with people right like every every funny i've been listening to other podcasts about entrepreneurs and and culture and success and it always comes back to people and building that foundation and you know, as you bring people in, right? Like 
the way in which you bring them in, the way in which you market your business to them and position the company, that's how you start building your foundation. So, so yeah, we're, we're going through that now and it's, it's super exciting. Uh, Tina, as you know, the show is called The Enlightened Agent because we like to share stories about amazing people, amazing agents doing amazing things. Enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. And I'm curious, you know, in your career, what are some things you've done or plan to do uh, going forward to improve diversity, equity, inclusion in the business of the industry? Is there anything else you could share with us? Oh, yeah. Loaded question. Loaded question. But I have so Good. much. I just don't have enough hours in the day of the things I want to do. But a couple other things that I have done and will continue to do, and I challenge anyone listening to do, is serve in a role of being a mentor. I have uh, continued to mentor, and I've purposely chosen minority or women individuals to be a mentor to, whether within the military or in the civilian career. And I've learned a lot through the bumps and bruises and skin knees, and it's my, I think, responsibility to pay it forward. And so I started a mentorship program within the military, and I've continued that externally as well, because I feel like that is an opportunity to pave a different path for people, the next generations of people coming into the workforce. And what can I take and instill in them? So I would love to get some of those things going more within the insurance industry too. It does lack from some of the minority and some of the diversity that we need to try to, to drive towards. And so finding ways to be able to do that, I think would be a great first step. I also want to get various things started at h and uh, to include those roundtables um, and open forum discussions. And again, to look at our recruitment efforts as well. So I think there's there's lots of stuff to do, but those are some of the, the quick hits that I think would have lasting impacts in this industry. I love the mentorship angle because even though you talk about it as a giving back, I think it's actually a pretty fascinating way for, for an executive to get kind of honest, direct color about what it's like to be a junior person of, you know, either of color or different, a different gender or just in a different generation, right? Like understanding, you know, we talk about millennials and Gen Zs and it's like, we talk about them, but you know, the reality is not a lot of us really understand them. And when you're mentoring somebody, I feel like you get a different level of intimacy, what they're going through that, you know, as a manager or a boss, that you're not going to get those people to share that with you. Right. So, so I love, I love the mentorship angle. And on the recruiting front, we're going to have a CEO on a show, a company called Show CEO, a company called Safari that focuses on yeah. focuses on helping racially diverse people find jobs in the insurance industry and helps insurance industry companies establish roles and, and create space for it. So I'm excited about having Jelani on the show in a couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, this is this has already been an outstanding start to the series. And so. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, as always, this has been uh, an enlightening conversation. And look, before we wrap up here, anything else you'd like to say or share with the listeners about, about you, about DEI, about HNI, anything else you want to get out into the world? Yeah, I just want to thank you for the time and, and just ask everyone to keep, keep the education and keep the discussions going. It's uh, really, you know, we can't stop talking about it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm, I'm excited this opportunity came about. I'm excited that you're able to make some time to join us on the show. I look forward to working with you and, and other insurance executives in the coming weeks and months. And thanks for making the time. Thanks for doing what you do. 
and look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks, Tina. Thank you.